Last Sunday, I gave a preface to our sermon. We'll explain why we're both sitting up here together in just a second. But I did want to say, last Sunday, we gave a bit of a preface to our, our teaching. Because we've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says some challenging things in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar, if you've read it, you know he, he comes after us, right? And he's reframing what it means to live as a kingdom person in the world, and it's so incredibly helpful. And I've been so thankful to get to hear some of the ways this series has challenged you. And so thank you. Keep sharing those stories and breakthroughs and those aha moments. I'm so encouraged by that. But we're praying that this continues to encourage as well as challenge you. Well, last week I gave a preface because we were talking about the topic of adultery, and I know that that's a topic that is... uh, yeah, challenging, uh, because we also have a lot of children. We have children in the room. We have children who are joining online, and so we want to be aware, and we want to be careful about the word choices. So uh, we're going to continue in that vein today, because today we've got another challenging message. Well, when we decided that we were going to walk through the Sermon on the Mount, we knew that we were going to make a commitment to go every single Sunday. That was our original commitment, to go every Sunday through the Sermon on the Mount. And I feel like we didn't read ahead to totally prepare for <laughs> how challenging. If we had, we might have pushed the series back a week or two. I don't know, but but actually, no. We we were not surprised by the topics that are in this sermon, and Jesus was not surprised that this would be the day that we would, of all days, Mother's Day, talk about the topic we're going to touch on today. If you have cheated and read ahead, you know. In fact, if you didn't, let me read it to you. Today's text is, is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 through 32. And the reality is sometimes your only option is to laugh about it. That on all days, this is what Jesus would want us to talk about. He says, it, is, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. Happy Mother's Day. Verse 32 says, but I tell you, remember, he's reframing the way we think about these things. He says, but I tell you, Everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, that is a wild, radical, massively weighted statement. And we're going to try to talk about that a little bit today. Yeah, and when we were discussing what was coming up for Mother's Day, it had already been planned that I would preach on Mother's Day. I don't preach every Mother's Day, but it seemed like a good opportunity, you know, talk to the ladies and everybody else in the room too, but you know, it would be a good, good fun day. And uh, as I was praying, you know, the Lord wasn't really giving me any insight for today. And so I said, you know, Tim, what, what should we do? What's, what's on that date? What lands on that date for Sermon on the Mount series? And when he read this verse, I said, nope, not for Mother's Day. Nope, we're going to move on. And we, our offices are conjoined by like a pocket door. And so we literally both simultaneously turned around in our office chairs and continued to work. And not three minutes later, we turned back around and faced each other and we said, no, we have to be committed to walk through what the Lord told us to walk through on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we knew that this was going to be a challenging topic. Um, We knew that this was going to be a little triggering emotionally for many of us in the room. But yet the Lord has already made his presence known in this place. And I just believe that he is continuing to do a work as we dig into his word. And so with that said, we're going to do things just a little bit differently. We're up here together. 
Um, we're going to do this in a, in a conversation style. It, it, we're not going to preach at you. We're going to have a conversation based on some questions that come up from this text. And there's so much to it, and it can be very confusing, or we might just want to skip over it altogether if it's challenging. And we've chosen this time to really dig into and answer those questions instead of just giving a talk. Yeah, and I so think hi, it's... hi, we're both here. Hi. <laughs> if this is your first Sunday, my name is Tim. This is Sharon. We, we don't always We are married. And Yeah, divorce, we don't always... This is not a normal conversation, <laughs> uh, but it's an important one. But we're one. here for it, yeah. But because it's also an important topic, I, I think we also wanted to preface um, that Sharon and I know firsthand the pain that divorce causes. And so we're, we're speaking from experience. Uh, we have not been divorced. We've been married for 16 years, but we're both the children of divorced families. And so we know the pain that divorce causes to children, and we've seen it uh, rip apart our friends of ours and, and relationships as well. But we've also experienced a great deal of healing, and we're continuing to heal as God continues to minister to us as well. So we're, we're thankful for the ministry of the healing that God has done for us, but we're also thankful for the community that he has put around us to bring us healing as well. And I, I think that idea of community and God's healing work is the reason why I would say that if, if you have not experienced divorce, that this is important for you to hear too. Because this was one of the questions was, how do we talk about this in a way that, that, is, that is helpful if you don't know the pain for the, entire for the whole church, right? Yeah. And here's, here's what, we, what we've landed on, is that divorce affects communities. And to heal, it requires communities, right? You, we've heard that expression, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to heal from anything. And divorce is, is a painful thing. And so because of that, we, we want to say this. If you've experienced divorce firsthand, what, as, a, as an adult, whether you were the divorcer, divorcee, some mixture of both, or the child of a divorced home, we want you to know we see you and we honor you today. And, and God sees you and he loves you and he honors you and your experience today. And we have extreme hope that there is healing for you because we've experienced healing as well. But also, if you haven't experienced divorce, that doesn't mean get up and walk out, today's not for you. Because you're a part of the community. You might actually be the gift to help somebody get healing as they are walking through it. Uh, for me, when I think about that, I'm reminded of Danny and the Saltzman family. Danny was our uh, guy leading worship up here. He's our worship pastor. He's our youth pastor. And he's also been my best friend since we were kids. And Danny and I met shortly after my parents divorced, and we became fast friends like brothers. And Danny, I've, I've shared this story before. I won't go too into detail on it. But Danny was the guy who was just always there to listen to me. And I was the talker. He was the listener. I was the verbal processor. He was the wall on which I verbally vomited. And he loved me through all of that. And I needed that. But another part of that story is Danny's parents. Larry and Celia are still married. They have had a strong, healthy marriage for all these years. And Larry and Celia played a part in my healing as well because they were the ones who invited me into their home and invited me into their family. And there were other families in this church as I was growing up in this church that helped with that as well. But Larry and Celia Saltzman played a role in just modeling what healthy marriage looked like so that I could see there is hope. It can actually be done. I needed that. And so if you're sitting here and you've never experienced divorce, you, you aren't walking through this pain, we just say we celebrate that. 
right? We really are so thankful that you don't know that pain. And I pray that you never will. But we need you. We need you to love us anyway. We need you to love us when we say ugly things and when we're feeling ugly feelings. We need you to welcome us into community so that we can feel like there's hope that we also get to be a part of society again. And that goes for what I felt as a child of divorce, and it goes exponentially so for those who are walking through divorce, for whatever the cause is. So your ministry is to love us, the, the, the people who have experienced the pain of divorce, for the long haul. And we yeah. thank you for that. And, and I want to preface that we're not up here to say, hey, just model your marriage after us and you're, you'll be great. Money back guarantee. It's not, we are not here to um, preaching this together to say, just emulate our behavior. We're up here to actually say marriage is hard work. And everybody in the room said amen. Marriage is hard work. And even after 16 years, we still don't have every single answer, but we know that we have Jesus. And so then that's every single answer that we need in this, in this walk and then in this journey. And so our goal here today really isn't to be like, do these things and then you'll be great and you'll be set for all of your life. Really, it's, it's to be here to say, let's, let's have a healthy conversation Let's open up community where we can actually have conversations around hard topics like this, and we can support one another and hear stories. Like, stories are powerful, and when we hear each other's stories and we walk together on the journey, it's a powerful thing, but we're also here to just encourage you. If, if you're in a place that you need help and you're like, okay, this is, this was, this is mine right here. This is my... Um, time that I need some support. There are trusted pastors here. There are trusted friends in this place. And there's also Christian counselors who can help you on this journey. You're not alone. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to take some time and answer some difficult questions that came in from this, from this verse. We asked a couple of people what their questions would be on this verse. And we hope to answer several of the big questions that come from this text specifically, um, though we may not answer everything. I think that would take a very long time, but we're trying to piece out some good. Yeah. So Tim, you ready for the first question? It's a yes. pop quiz. No, it's not. <laughs> We, no, it's not. But Tim, what was Jesus talking about when he said in this verse, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her written notice of the divorce. Is it like a John, Dear John letter? <laughs> I promise nice. you, and I, I'll tell you this, my, my, um, my hope to bring a little bit of laughter in here is not to say that this topic is insignificant or your pain is insignificant, but to also weave in some joy. So I hope you're not getting from me, that's very disrespectful. I'm trying to bring in a lightness because I know that this is a heavy topic. When Sharon says hard things behind the pulpit, she apologizes. <laughs> that is not a common practice you're at Life Church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're right, we do love people, yeah. Okay, so the question is, what in the world is Jesus talking about? What, is he, the, what we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount is that he's pushing back against bad teaching. And the bad teaching that Jesus is pushing back on is rooted in an interpretation of one singular word that was misinterpreted out of what we would refer to as Deuteronomy 24. So if you looked at Deuteronomy 24, the very first verse, 
I'll read it to you in the, in the CSB. It says, if a man marries a woman, but, but she becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he may write her a divorce certificate, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. Again, happy Mother's Day. Here, here's, what, here's, the, here's the bad teaching. There were, there were two schools of thought on this topic. There was a, a guy named Rabbi Shammai, and Rabbi Shammai propagated this school of thinking around this verse. And it was, it was all hinging on this one word in the verse, and the word was displeasing. You heard there it says, and she becomes displeasing to her husband. So Rabbi Shammai interpreted that word to mean specifically adultery. And by the way, if you want to know a little bit about what that looks like and what Jesus was talking about, that's the thing he said right before he talks about divorce. So go back and listen to last week's sermon, and you'll find that adultery is a much broader idea than we typically would think that it is. And Jesus was talking about something more than just a physical act. If you were here last Sunday, you'll remember that. If not, it's on YouTube. So Rabbi Shammai was talking about that word displeasing, meaning to commit adultery, or uh, to be indecent uh, was to commit adultery. There was another guy, Rabbi Hillel, and he propagated a school of thought that said, that this word displeasing meant literally anything that a husband didn't like about his wife. Give us an example. So, like, let's say that... <laughs> I love having a microphone. <laughs> I think I should have one back there. Let's do this every Sunday. This is fun. Let's say that, um, that you're a Jewish wife, and so you're cooking some matzo ball soup, and you don't put enough salt in it. And so it's not the way that, that your husband's mommy used to make it. Your husband literally would be in, within his, his, his rights if he followed the teaching of Rabbi Hillel to say, I'm not happy with you. you I have found you to be displeasing, so I will now write you a certificate of divorce and, get, and break the marriage. If you, are, if you don't look the way that I want you to look or you don't give me the kind of social status that I want then I will divorce you, will break up the marriage. Uh, so imagine that you're in a culture, which was Jesus' day, where women had no social power. They had no voice, and whatever their husband decided, or if they were unmarried, whatever their father decided, they just had to go along with. They had no authority or power. And then this guy, Rabbi Hillel, comes along and says, hey, men, if, you don't, if you're just not happy, here's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Which of these two teachings do you think was more popular? So this is what Jesus is pushing back on. He's pushing back on the flippant way that marriage was being treated. It was being viewed as an idea that we just, until I feel like I don't want to do this anymore, then I will break the, I will break the vow that I made. But remember that only 50% of the population had the right to make that vow. There was no commentary in Deuteronomy about the ability that women had, again, because women had no social power. Jesus is pushing back against this. What he's actually doing is narrowing the list of reasons for divorce, right? You could do it for the matzo ball soup not being good. I don't like the way you did your hair on Tuesday. Uh, in, instead, he's saying, no, the reason is adultery. It's got to be something incredibly significant. It's also important, by the way, to clarify and to make a note here that Jesus is not giving a list of reasons why he would encourage you to get a divorce. Those words are never going to come out of Jesus' mouth. Hey, I, I think today would be a great day for you to get a divorce. He's, he's not going to say that. 
what he's doing here is giving the reason or reasons for which he would give you permission to get a divorce, and then you wouldn't be counted as having been in sin as a covenant breaker for getting that divorce. That, that, that clarity is, is really important. So simply put, Jesus is saying he would permit or give permission for divorce if one or both parties breaks their vow that they made uh, marriage, when their marriage was, uh, was spoken into life, right? So, so that's, that's what Jesus was pushing back onto. Now, let's turn the tables on you. It's your turn to answer a question. Oh, goody. Yay. So, so the question for you is, what, it, it, now that we know what Jesus was teaching about, what, what would Jesus actually say? What was his view of marriage and divorce? Yeah, I mean, Jesus is clearly pro-marriage, He's for life and health inside of a marriage and for people together. And, but he's not saying that it's required for everyone to get married. He wasn't placing that requirement on all believers. He was saying, if you are, though, you need to stay married. Like, it's, it's important. And it's because Jesus referred to marriage as a covenant. It wasn't a single-day event that celebrated every anniversary. It wasn't a registry on not the not.com, which didn't exist, by the way, when I got married. But anyway, um, it was, it's not a single-day event. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a covenant. And when you talk about covenant, you can also compare it to how um, Jesus is is in a covenant with us. When we come into relationship with him, it's an eternal covenant. It doesn't it doesn't break. It doesn't, there's nothing you can do to, to really cut, cut the covenant on his end. He's committed to us. He is, he is faithful to us. And that is mirrored when you're in a marriage covenant, a marriage relationship. So when you take those vows, that is a covenant that you're building in that moment. And so to call, um, to call it a covenant is to say it's a lifelong commitment. And in the Old Testament, covenant breaking actually resulted in death. That was the Old Testament, like, you broke a covenant, you broke a promise to someone you, that you committed to, you died. Like, it, that was the only result of that. And divorce, if you think about it, it does result in some form of death. There is a death that takes place in that. The breaking of the covenant results in death. And consider what it says in Matthew uh, 19, verses 4 through 6. Jesus says, haven't you read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two flesh, but one. One. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus says that marriage is more than just a simple feeling or a promise. It's a bond. And maybe you haven't heard it that way, like in, in that severity, but when you're married, that is a bond that you make together. So marriage is not an agreement. It is two people choosing to blend their lives together into one. And so that is why divorce is so disruptive, because you're, you're breaking apart one flesh. There's a part of you that is missing. It's disruptive. And um, that is why Jesus views marriage so highly and takes divorce so seriously. So now some may say that this uh, singular reason 
the reasons that you described, is giving permission for divorce, that it's like restrictive, but are there any reasons Jesus would give like other than this for permission for divorce? Does my question make sense to you? Are you prepared? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what would Jesus give permission for divorce? Yeah. It's so far in Matthew 5, he says adultery. One reason. Scripture gives two. Um, the first one will, will, will not hang out here a lot, but adultery is seen in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19 as the reason we would have permission for divorce. Or maybe another way to say that is the reason why if you get a divorce, you're not in sin for the divorce, or if you remarry, uh, you wouldn't be committing adultery. Uh, in Matthew 19, he mentions it um, like, like this. He says, he tells his disciples, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. Remember, he was, he was addressing your flippancy, right? Our, our flippancy and just writing. It was because of your hard hearts. But it wasn't like that from the beginning. I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another commits adultery. And his disciples understood what they meant because in verse 10, it says, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. What they understood is Jesus had a very high value of this, and he was saying the reason for divorce has got to be extreme, covenant-breaking kind of stuff, right? And so uh, adultery is the reason. Again, if you want to understand a little bit more about what Jesus means when he uses that phrase uh, or when we understand about adultery, listen to last week's sermon. We talked about that. Jesus is very clear there. Uh, but he's saying, uh, we, we understand basically that, that adultery is, is an act that a person takes or a desire for an act of physical intimacy with a person that you are not married to. That's how Jesus would define adultery. And since marriage is a, is a covenant, a vow, to keep the intimacy between just one uh, husband and his one wife, then anything outside of that intimacy breaks the covenant which is why adultery is a reason the covenant is broken of, of marriage. But then the second reason that's seen in, in Scripture, and we know that Jesus would agree with this because Jesus is the Word and he agrees with the Word. And so even though these words didn't come directly out of Jesus' mouth, they, they were written by Paul. In 1 Corinthians, we see the second reason. So we'll say the first one is adultery. We'll call the second one abandonment. And so what Paul actually says is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll take a look in verse uh, 10. He says, to the married I give this command. So married people, listen up. And then he gives this preface, not I, but the Lord. She's saying, I didn't make this up. A wife is not to leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or be, or be reconciled to her husband. A husband is not to divorce his wife. So Paul's saying, this goes both ways, folks. And then he says, but, but I, not, not the Lord, I say to the rest, if any brother has an unbelieving wife and she is willing uh, to live with him, he must not divorce her. Now, there's an there's a interesting preface here. He says, this is, now this is my personal opinion, and we would actually go so far as to say this is Paul's opinion inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this isn't Paul saying something that Jesus is like, whoa, Paul, time out. You shouldn't have written that. Jesus would agree with this as well. Okay? But this is Paul saying, now let me say this in my own words. Right? He goes on and he says, uh, if, if any woman has an unbelieving husband, she's willing to live with her, she must not divorce her. And then he flips the table and says the same for the husbands. Right? If your wife is unbelieving, don't just leave just because of that. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as, uh, as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, here's the key, let him leave. And then flips the table. If your unbelieving wife leaves, then let her leave. Uh, God has called you to live in peace. 
And then it says this in verse 16, wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. So there's a couple of things here that we need to make sure that we clarify. First of all, Paul is very clear. If you're married to a person who does not live as a disciple of Jesus, the word we would use for that person is if they're not a Christian, or if they're not living as a Christian. Like I know plenty of people who say they're a Christian because they think like they live in America, they must be one. Um, You know, or they went to church on one Sunday. Um, And so they're a Christian. But you know how you can like say that but not be that? Living as an unbeliever. That's what Paul would call it. Here's, here, Paul is very clear. You don't just automatically have permission to leave them just because they don't love Jesus like you do. What you should do, Paul says, is pray for them. Because what ha- he says, for all you know, you could save them. Right? So stay with them and pray for them. But he says, if they leave you, Paul says, let them go. You're, you're not held accountable for that. They make a, make a decision having not walked with Jesus. You let them make that decision. Right? You be at peace but then it does seem like Paul is encouraging us, and Jesus would agree with us, to say, let's be very careful about remarriage in that regard. You need to make sure that we understand what it is that abandonment really, uh, really does. It, it's a leaving, but then I don't know necessarily how easy it is to go, oh, covenant broken. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this, I think, in a few minutes. But, but the, you get into the place then when you go, okay, well, if, if my unbelieving spouse leaves me and then they go and remarry another person, I guess they've broken the covenant because technically that would be adultery, and so now am I in the clear? And it gets really nuanced and messy really quick, right? This is why, let's interject here for the first time. If you have questions about this, please don't expect to have all your answers because Sharon and I had a chat in front of you on one Sunday. Uh, talk to somebody. Like these, these things need to be discussed. These are messy, nuanced issues. And if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, okay, that is actually really unhope-filled unho- for my situation. Again, we want you to know, number one, Jesus sees you. If, if you're in a marriage where you're the only one who loves Jesus, he sees you and he honors you in what you're walking through. But I also know many marriages, many, that have been in that situation where one of the spouses does not want anything to do with God. And through prayer and fasting, sometimes months, sometimes years, there's been a turnaround. And these marriages have been revitalized because all of a sudden the other party falls in love with Jesus. And it's just incredible to watch it. I've seen it happen enough that I would just tell every single person in that situation, don't give up. Pray. God can do anything, right? But, but then the question that's going to come up when we say there's two answers that God gives us for uh, giving permission for divorces, the, the, the question that's naturally going to come up is, what about abuse? What do, what do you do with abuse? So, Sharon, how about that for a softball? Whew. Well, I, I just want to recognize first that when we talk about abuse, it could trigger some emotions in here. And so I just want you to, again, I just, I need to keep declaring the presence of the Lord in this place. Because I know that that's hard and it's heavy. And even, um, even if you're in healing already, remembering those moments can also be very painful and very, very hard. And so I just want you to know I see you and I, and we're delicately walking through this with you. Um, but Jesus would say that if you're being abused, you need to go get into safety. Okay? Hear me. Get into safety. And if you don't know where to go, 
you have a church community here that is ready and willing to find answers or solutions to those things. And Jesus miraculously provides solutions when we've encountered those moments before. Um, I just believe the Lord's ministering to people who are just remembering moments. And you could make a strong argument that um, abuse is abandonment. And it, it, because it's of your duty and your honor to your spouse. And so 1 Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ouch. But simply put, abuse is abandoning your responsibility to care for, to provide for your spouse. Neglect, abuse, abandonment is not okay. And, th and that goes for physical abuse as well as verbal abuse. Yes. And these are all behaviors that, meet, that break the, the marriage covenant. And um, so I just want to take a moment and just pray over those of you who are feeling the pain of that right now, currently. Um, so Jesus, I just ask for your healing, Lord. Would you be a safety around them, Lord, supernaturally, Lord? And would you bring physical safety, a hedge of protection around your, your children, Lord? And would you provide safe places for healing to happen, Jesus? And I celebrate those who are on the other side yeah. who have gained healing because it is possible. And you are the God of, of that makes impossible things possible. And so, Lord, we just honor the way that you work in people's lives, and we just say, minister by your Holy Spirit right now in this place, in Jesus' name. So another question that we heard is about um, divorce and adultery, but is it, is it true? Okay, this is a question that would come up because of the scripture point. Um, for today, is it true that any divorced person, any divorced person who gets remarried is committing adultery then? Which, this is a really important question because this is taught. Yeah. You've, you've probably heard this. I've, I've, heard it, I've heard it taught. I've had people ask me. In fact, as we were talking about this, this is one of the questions that directly came up. Please answer this question. Is it true that if you get divorced and remarried, you're automatically, in every case, committing adultery. And the simple answer to this question is no, that's not true. In, not in every single case is a remarriage adultery. Uh, th that's, like, that's like saying, if I hear a person has a broken bone, I can guarantee you I know what happened without asking them. That's it, illogical. It's a blanket statement. Yeah, blanket statements almost always don't work in any other way than Jesus forgives all sin. Right? Like his blood is, is good enough, strong enough, he loves enough that he covers all sin, no matter what your sin is. Other than that, let's avoid blanket statements. Right? Maybe the other blanket statement is like, we all suck at being perfect. Amen. Okay. So, That's very freeing, yeah. by the way. <laughs> But so, again, not everyone who gets remarried is committing what the biblical standard of adultery would be. Only those who have uh, sinned in breaking their covenant 
or who have not been completely uh, released from that covenant by the grace of God according to the circumstance and then got remarried, uh, or if you were having an intimate relationship outside of your marriage covenant anyway, those are the things that God would say, that's adultery. Adultery, again, happens when a person who is in covenant engages relationally with someone other than their spouse. That, that would be a definition of, of a married person committing adultery. Again, we talked about this last week, so go back and listen to that if you need to. But uh, we, we want you to understand this is a much broader topic than what most of us would, would hear. But simply put, adultery does break covenant. And so if you get divorced because it's too hard or because you didn't like the matzo ball soup, that's not a broken covenant. So you would just be deciding, that would be what we would call a separation not a breach of covenant. And so if you're separated, you don't get to go and marry another person. You're, you're still in covenant. And by the way, we're not talking about what the government thinks. We're talking about God's standard, which is always better and higher, right? And so you need to make sure that you know, did, did I get separated or did I, is this actually broken and over and breached, right? Uh, so so that's, that's really, really important. But, but even then, if you divorce for the matzo ball soup reason, it got hard. I didn't like it, right? It, I grew up, we grew apart, which, which is, is probably one of the most common things that we hear. We just don't know how to do life together anymore. If you divorce for that reason and, and then your ex-spouse gets remarried, you could probably make an argument if you felt like you needed to that said, well, they broke the covenant, so then I'm in the clear. But again, I bring that up to say this gets messy quick. Which is why then we go, thank you for your grace and your love, and thank you for the wisdom of the word and the baptism in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and thank you for friends and pastors and counselors who know Jesus, who can walk us through all of this stuff. And again, that, all of that said, there's plenty of remarried people uh, for, for whom the first covenant was broken through adultery and abandonment. Plenty of that situation happening. And God would not look at their remarriage and say that he has an issue with that. And I, and I want to say, I know people in our church who, ha, who are remarried people. And, and some of them I've, I've walked through, Sharon and I have walked through seasons with. And I'm so proud of the way that, that some of these people have, have, have walked through divorce and singleness and then remarriage. And I, I honor that. And we celebrate what God does in terms of restoration, reconciliation, and healing. And we honor the people who've had difficult brokenness in their marriage and said, but God has called us or we are staying together. We're committing to what God called us to in this marriage. And, they, and they've worked. We honor that as well. We're so proud when we see that. It's important that we understand that these are case-by-case issues. Blanket statements are problematic in this regard. This is better discussed than declared. So we can't answer this for you from, from the pulpit. Yeah, and I think blanket statements cause a lot of shame yes. in the kingdom. And so um, we, this is not shame. This is a shame-free zone. Yeah. I hope you know that um, and that you're welcome here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's really, really good. And I think if you, are, if you have questions or feelings about that, this is where we would say, come and talk to us, right? So, so another question, moving on, another question that I'll ask for you is that, that we hear is if you got married and then you go, oh, no, I wasn't ready for it. Can I, can I get out of it? I, I realize I want to like, get it annulled or I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't ready. First of all, I mean, marriage is a journey. I don't know if you're ever really ready, fully ready. And it, it, all the married people are like, uh-huh, yeah, exactly. 
Um, 16 years in, I'm still not sure <laughs> that I'm ready. But we hear a lot of that often of saying like, oh no, we made this commitment and we've, we're finding out that we're not, we're not ready. And one of the things, like just to put it visually, is, um, is a saying of grow into, into the clothes that you chose. Right? If it's awkward, it doesn't feel right, like it's a little too loose, you don't know how to make sure it gets buttoned up all the way, you know, I don't know. But it's a growing process. This is a journey. A covenant is a journey. The same way that your relationship with Christ is a journey. You're learning new things about the Lord all the time. You're getting deeper into the presence of God and being able to reap the meaning of the promises and the physical realities of his promises all the time. So just like the, the covenant that we have with Jesus, we're learning and developing in, the same is true about a marriage. And so we encourage you to, to grow into the clothes that you chose. And also, you know, if you've ever been to a job where you feel like totally underqualified for, like, oh my goodness, this training is insane and I don't know if I can actually do this job, right? Anybody had a job like that? I've had several jobs like that, it's like my this current one. Job. Yeah. Like this current job. <laughs> but, uh, but that's why you grow and you develop and you learn and you find trusted people around you that can help you along the journey. It's really important that you understand perfection is not an, an instant thing that happens in marriage on your wedding day. It is a grow. It is a walk together. And so this really is a, dis a discipleship question. And so there's resources here available for you. There's biblical guidance. Shout out to Pastor Mark. There's trusted people to talk to. Um, there is community building friendships in this church and not hiding in whatever um, pain or struggle you're walking through, but actually building community. And we also have Prepare Enrich, which we've only had a few couples kind of go through Prepare Enrich, um, which is our premarital counseling. But I'll, I'll let you know, pre, uh, Prepare Enrich is also for couples who are currently married yeah. and married with kids. Like there's so many different things that you can um, kind of add on to your, your training. So talk to us about that if you're interested in that and we can help you along the way. That's good. Um, so it is Mother's Day, and these people all have lunch plans, so we should wrap up this conversation. So let's give you a couple of final thoughts. Um, final thoughts for me is, number one, uh, we want you to understand Jesus values marriage highly. Absolutely. It should not be entered into lightly. Sharon was talking about um, you know, marriage is a little bit like putting on clothes. Now you have to grow into it. it marriage is also like getting a tattoo. Don't take it lightly. That thing's going to be on your body for the rest of your no life. No regerts. No regerts, right? <laughs> so think about it the same way, only with another human being who talks back to you, right? And has opinions and feelings and is their own human. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, big, it's a big deal. Take it seriously. Whether you're thinking about it or you're in it or you were in it, whatever, wherever you're at in that. Another preface is this. No judgment. Right? Like, I am aware in this space. We've talked about abandonment and adultery and abuse. And some of us are seeing faces of people that we wish we could. No judgment. If Jesus didn't condemn you for the things that were going to send you into eternal separation from him, we don't have the right to judge others. Now, you could be angry about some stuff. 
Go listen to Sermon 1 in this series where we talk about do not murder and anger and all of that kind of stuff. Jesus addresses that too. Isn't it interesting? He said, don't kill people. Don't commit adultery. Let's talk about divorce. He was leading <laughs> up to something. Greatest teacher of all time. Well, the progression is on point. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for being better at this than any of us. So we want to preface that we do not have permission to judge or to hate or to withhold forgiveness. And for some of you, if you are the person who was abused or abandoned or cheated on or broken a covenant with, you're the recipient of all of that pain. This is the hard thing, that I, but I have to tell you this because I love you. You do not get to withhold forgiveness. Now, you, don't get, you, you probably don't have the ability to just go, oh, okay, Pastor Tim said I have to forgive. I guess I'll just forgive then and then just move on. This is a journey, right? And it goes in, in every kind of direction. But don't, no judgment happens and no condemnation. We remember Romans 8.1. If you're sitting here going, oh, no. They're talking about me. I'm the one who did the, the wrong thing here. I'm in a situation I should not be in. I have sinned. I committed. My remarriage was, was inappropriate or my divorce was done for the wrong reasons. If you're sitting here thinking that right now, Romans 8.1 is your verse. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, you are not condemned. Now, he might correct you. But he would never condemn you if you're in a relationship with him, right? And then we also want to remember, what do you do? Or we want to talk about, what do you do now? And I, I think Paul actually gives us some helpful advice. In Romans, uh, or 1 Corinthians rather, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I read from this text earlier, but in verse 17 he says, Let each one live his life, or her life, in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him, or called her. So what, that, what he's saying there is, when you have the aha moment that you go, oh, no, I need to make this right with the Lord, you're in a situation. God has now called you into relationship with him or into repentance uh, and, and to get it right with him, and you're in a certain life circumstance. Paul is saying, live in that circumstance. From wherever you're at now, honor the Lord. What does honoring the Lord look like? If you were married and now in your singleness, honor the Lord, whatever that looks like for you. If you are remarried, honor the Lord in your remarriage. If you are not yet married or married, honor the Lord. The goal is moving forward. And if you realize that you got to today in a really messy way, welcome to being human. You get to receive the grace of Jesus. This is where hope comes in. You get to, I'm saying this with a smile on my face, understanding how heavy this topic has been. You get to receive the grace of Jesus because he loves you, and nothing can change that, right? Now, if, if you need to repent today, repent, which means change your mind and change the way you're living. But do that. No condemnation. We would be honored to help you make whatever life transitions you need to make in order to honor God, right? Yeah. Now, um, we should also say this. One more point of clarity. I know you've got some final thoughts. But if you're sitting here and you're realizing, I'm, I'm, let's have a specific scenario because this is important. If you've been remarried and you just realized, oh, no, God's moving forward plan for you would not be divorce your second spouse or third one or whatever number you're on. Don't, don't, don't divorce your current spouse and go back through the line of all your broken relationships and re-covenant with them so that you, 
remember, just move forward. There might be all kinds of grace, right? And you're sitting here thinking, if this is you, you're sitting here thinking, how can that be? I have to go back and make it right. Saul was a murderer of Christians. And God knocked him on his butt, changed his name, and sent him into ministry. And there is no record of Paul, because God, he changed his name to Paul. There is no record of Paul having to go and make recompense and fix all of the brokenness that was in his wake. There's no record of that. You know why? Because God gave him grace and forgave him and sent him to move forward in a new way. So if you are feeling shame and guilt today, receive the love and grace of Jesus. You might have some work to do. Yeah, you might have some things to get right moving forward, but let's move forward. Amen? Yeah, and we realize that this is a big topic, <laughs> much bigger than a Sunday morning, especially on a Mother's Day, um, to answer all of your questions. But w again, what this is meant to do, and I hope that every part of the Sermon on the Mount series has done this, to start a conversation, to take these hard things and help each other to digest them fully, or to, to talk about an aha moment that happened in, in your life, but to do this in community. Because marriage is hard, and singleness is very hard. And we aren't here to say, again, look at us and do these five steps and you'll have it right. But, but it's a journey with Jesus through and through. And um, there is no shame on that journey as well. And so... Again, our goal is to start a conversation, and we've helped you with these uh, three questions that we've been um, posting on our Instagram every Monday, um, but also we'll remind you here today because, hey, maybe your Mother's Day lunch will be the perfect opportunity to have this conversation about um, what you learned today. But those questions are, what did you learn from the teaching today? What questions do you have? And what are you asking God for? Those are our three community of discipleship questions that we want to submit before you today. And um, also let you know that because you're probably swirling with questions, there is a staff of pastors and staff of leaders who are here to help you on the journey. And if there's some kind of question that's in your mind, it's important for you to send those our way so that we can ha start having a conversation about those as well. There's no question that is going to be too crazy for us to receive and if we don't have the answer right away we want to research it with you we want to get into discipleship and talk about what does the word say about your specific question or your specific situation or your scenario and so i encourage you to send us an email at info at avlife.church info at avlife.church those um, emails come to Tim and I specifically first. I want you to know that. So we don't have like some kind of filtration system that like, you know, some, maybe someday the email will land on their plate. It comes to us directly first. We want you to know that you have access to your pastors, you have access to support, you have access to community. And we love you. So we want to pray for you. Um, we have a practice at Life Church where we pray a blessing over our friends and our family that join us, whether you're online or on campus today. We want to wrap up this moment by praying a blessing. Now, I don't know that there's a better blessing prayer than the one that's in Scripture. Um, 
In Numbers chapter 6, you can, you can read the blessing that the priests were told to pray this over the people of Israel. And I would just invite you as I pray this blessing over you that you would receive this in whatever area this talk today has landed in your heart. Or maybe you're on the I've never experienced the pain of divorce side or maybe you're on the extreme other end of, of this conversation and God would minister something to you today. And so, Jesus, we come before you, and we ask you to minister to us. We invite you to minister to us. We also invite you to minister through us. Wherever we're at, whether we come to this conversation having been redeemed and restored, or whether we're coming to this conversation for the first time, would you minister to us and through us? So Life Church, wherever this topic of divorce lands in your story and in your life and your heart today, I pray this blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.